global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. For all Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all advancing in this update is brought to you by CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Stocks rising the most in two months as increasing speculation the Federal Reserve will raise rates this summer, spark gains in financial shares, while housing data signal the economy is strengthening enough to support higher borrowing costs. The S&P 500 index up 27 points now to 2,074, a gain of 1.3 percent. NASDAQ up 92, a gain of 1.9 percent. Dow Industrials up 207, a gain of 1.2 percent. Tenure down 6.30 seconds, yield 1.85 percent. Gold falling 23.30 the ounce to 12.28, a drop of 1.9 percent. Crude oil 48.64 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude up 56 cents, a gain of 1.2 percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. The Brexit Vote. Coverage continues now on Bloomberg Radio. The Brexit debate getting even more heated today in the British Parliament as a conservative lawmaker asked the head of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, if his former employer, Goldman Sachs, encouraged him to warn about the risks of the UK leaving the European Union. Can I just give you the opportunity to refute any suggestion that Goldman Sachs may have put pressure on you to take a piece? Wow. Um, it's not an allegation. It's not an opportunity to refute. Sorry, well, uh, abs- yes, I refute it. Uh, categorically and um, am stunned. Stunned, says Mark Carney. Let's ask David Danny Blanchflower, professor of economics at Dartmouth College, if he was stunned by this question. Danny, uh, a, a Brit himself and a former member of the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee. Welcome back, Danny B. <laughs> Great to chat to you. I was completely stunned, too. I, ha- I don't think in all the time I've listened to Governors of the Bank of England answering questions in front of the Treasury Select Committee. I've ever heard a governor say, wow. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have to say much else. <laughs> yes, that was quite something. And another, another person asked him uh, about whether he'd been leaned on by the government to say that he, the things that he'd said and that, that, that actually he'd been pushing government propaganda. Uh, the governor was not very happy, shall we say. And I think it was out of line. Why was it out of line? What's wrong with at least asking the head of the Bank of England these questions? Well, I think, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's, you know, the way, the way it was said um, probably was um, a little bit much. But you're right. I mean, the, the job of the governor is to explain what he's doing. I mean, he actually said, this is actually part of my remit. This is what I'm supposed to do. It was asserted that this vote for Brexit is like an election. But the governor, I think, made it very clear that that's not true, partly because we know what would happen to the Brexit. You would leave and then there'd be a lot of uncertainty. Uh, an election is not so clear. So that was the big issue. But I think the evidence is that from a lots of sources that Brexit looks like an econo- economically negative event for the UK and probably for the world. Why? For our listeners who maybe are not following it as closely, why will Brexit be so negative? Well, I, th- I think the first thing is we've already seen some slowing in the UK economy. We've seen a rise in uncertainty about what the future might bring. 
But I think you and I have talked on this before. I mean, it's quite clear that this would be, in a, in a sense, the first domino that might generate um, other uh, other countries to to fall. Nexit, if you like, um, the, the Netherlands leaves or the Greece leaves or whatever. So the breakup of this huge economic area would be a very big deal. But I think the evidence certainly looks that it would generate, certainly in the short term, some considerable slowing of the UK economy, which could feed through to the rest of the world. I mean, the Fed's going to be mindful. It makes a vote on very little time prior to that Brexit vote. So that, that in itself is going to have an implication. I mean, obviously, if it looks like it's not going to pass, that's one thing. But if it looked like it did, um, if you were sitting at the Fed, you'd be mindful that this could be a, a worldwide event. Uh, Dan, I just want to push back a little bit of this on the on the domino theory. I mean, domino theories have been used in the past, and they've been shown in the past to not be accurate. So rather than speculate on it, is there any way to sort of just quantify what? No. There's no, no way I to quantify. Well, I don't think there's a way to quantify. What the Bank of England has done, which I don't think is crazy, is they have seen slowing already. Um, they've attributed half of that slowing to the fears of Brexit. We've actually seen contracts, apparently commercial property contracts, that have had clauses put in them which says that in the event of Brexit, the deal won't go ahead. Um, that's, that, that's obviously the first thing. But I do think that, that, that it has political implications, probably more than economic, to other parts of Europe. And there are movements in other countries, in France and, in, as I said, in the Netherlands, that suggest that um, if a country can leave and nobody thought they could, then others could too. Remind us, Danny, of what the pro-Brexit argument is in a nutshell. Well, the argument more than anything is that the UK needs its own sovereignty. It doesn't need rules set out to, uh, for it by the European community. And even though they haven't set out what... Um, Brexit would look like, I mean, some of them have argued it would look like the Albanian model, um, that that would absolutely be wonderful, and they could renegotiate all kinds of deals separately, and they would have control over immigration. But, um, but sadly, they haven't really um, persuaded people, as far as I can see, and international groups around the world, including the OECD and the IMF and President Obama, have said this really does not look credible, and you're not going to be very able quickly to negotiate trade deals with all the countries you're going to need to do that with. So, that, so, so, so the fear is obviously that's a negative event. Is there any a fear that there will be a backlash from the electorate, from all the people explaining why a vote to leave is terrible? Well, I certainly think there's a likelihood of that, not least, in fact, in the government. I mean, David Cameron looks to be in trouble whichever way it goes. If there's a vote for Brexit then obviously I think it's very likely he'd have to he'd, have, he'd quit. And if there's a vote not to, to leave, uh, and it's pretty narrow, now he's got a, a split party. Um, politically, this is a highly charged event. So yes, I think it's going to have implications later, but probably not least amongst the governing Conservative Party, where you actually have got some government ministers on each side. So I think that's where the biggest turmoil is going to be. Thank you very much, Danny Blanchflower, Professor of Economics, Dartmouth College, on Twitter at D underscore Blanchflower, about the Brexit vote on June the 23rd. This is Bloomberg Radio. Location, location, location. Coming up, the head of the International Council of Shopping Centers says that's what's going to make the difference for brick-and-mortar retail. Live from Las Vegas, coming up on Bloomberg Radio.